Moncrief on News Talk. Now, sometimes, if you take a long-haul flight, it can hardly seem worth it. For days afterwards, you're in a fog of tiredness, a state that is exacerbated by your body clock being out of whack, so you can't sleep properly. The journalist Polita Clark has been writing about this today and looking for possible solutions. Polita, good afternoon. Hello, Sean. Uh, start by telling because in, in the piece that you wrote, you you also write about this piece that appeared in the Financial Times in 1970 and a study that was done on jet lag. What did they find in that study? Well, they found, this is is the headline, um, they said that travel fatigue can affect business acumen slash doctors. And uh, (laughs) it's really really interesting because uh, this is about what they rather primly called um, so-called jet lag. Jet lag hadn't really taken off in, as it were, in the way that it has today. And um, the science editor of the day was reporting on a study that was done of um, some volunteers who were flown from London to San Francisco and back, and their um, bodily movements and mental acuity and other things were measured. They, uh, the scientists and the researchers ended up getting 10.5 miles of recording paper and 50 gallons of urine, according to the FT report. Um, <laughs> And in the end, um, alas, um, the measurements yielded a finding that will be very familiar with uh, lots of people today that basically uh, the performance of people travelling alone is significantly upset for four to five days, uh, particularly after an east-west flight. Uh, the researchers found that decisions took 10 to 20% longer to reach and um, the report said that this hesitancy could be misconstrued at the negotiating table as weakness or indecision. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's a pretty good description of jet lag, I, I would have thought. This is something you're familiar with? Um, uh, how, how regularly do you would you make a flight to Australia? Well, I'm guessing that you might be able to hear that I am originally from Australia and I've been, even though I've been living in London for more than 20 years, um, this is still a readily observable fact. <laughs> but the, um, yeah, I, I go there um, every year uh, pretty much and most Australians, of course, who, who fly have terrible jet lag uh, problems. We're all, it's something we're all very familiar with. Um, you can even get jet lag from flying within Australia, of course. <laughs> and uh, it's it's something I've never really managed to get to the bottom of. Um, and it just did occur to me after I came back this time and uh, lying awake at about 3.30 in the morning, as one does. And I was thinking, you know, how long have scientists actually been looking at this problem? And have they actually come up with anything remotely like a solution for it. And that's why when I started looking into that, that's why I came across this um, this article from 1970 in the FT. Mm. Others like it. But then it does turn out, actually, that scientists have made a lot of progress in figuring out the importance of light. And there's a whole world of light therapy um, that basically is based on the idea that if you can, if you can kind of, reset the body clock faster um, when you've flown across several time zones at speed. Um, You can reset it faster if you try to basically get light and darkness at the right times of day in the lead up to the flight, during the flight, and once you land. I have to say this is really easier said than done, but you know, so many people, so many sleep researchers I spoke to said, you know, we really do understand what, what the problem is much better than we used to. The difficulty is finding 
the whether it's the devices or the calculators or apps um, that have been developed to try to take advantage of this knowledge haven't really broken through yet, but I live in hope that they will be at some point soon. Yeah, because I imagine it'd be fiendishly complicated to even calculate, well, I've just arrived in Sydney, what time does my body think it is, what day does my body think it is, and what should I do to make it readjust to Sydney time? Exactly. It really is quite difficult. And a lot of academics' work has been used to try to, well, to develop these apps um, and they've got these calculators. I've got to say, they're not really for the faint of heart. If you enjoy spreadsheets, good, because you'll probably enjoy a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of these calculators. Even the ones that have tried to make it super simple, the, the, the problem is that you've really got to have a lot of willpower to, for example, um, you know, go indoors when you finally arrive in Sydney in the middle of a British winter at, say, 4.30 in the afternoon for three hours. <laughs> and, um, it's not really what you feel like doing. And then if you're working, it's really difficult to explain to colleagues, well, I just have to get, I just have to do something about the jet lag now, so sorry, um, can't sit outside or conversely, can't sit inside. <laughs> or whatever. You know, it's, it's something that because it's so, it's not really widely understood and so it's difficult, I think, for people to really kind of push the idea that they need to be doing this with, um, you know, make it what sort of fit whether they're on holiday or at work. Yeah. So, and can you can you do this while you're on the flight? I mean, are there periods where you have to, I don't know, shine a torch in your face for two hours or something to kind of make yourself realize? <laughs> well, I mean, this is the thing, you know, it, it, technically there is, there is advice for what to do on a really, really long flight. Um, in reality, as anybody knows who's flown in economy in particular, you know, it's just completely impossible. I mean, one of the things actually interestingly that is being done in Australia is that the uh, Qantas airline is working with, with sleep researchers to try to figure out what airlines can be doing on aircraft. And Qantas is supposed to be launching these new direct flights from Sydney to New York and London next year. And so they're working with these researchers to figure out, you know, is there something that the aircraft can be doing in terms of, you know, when the lights come on, when people are fed and what they're fed, you know, is there anything that could be done to try to make jet lag less of a problem? And they do seem to be coming up with some ideas, although some other researchers I spoke to said, you know, this is all very well and there is a lot that, that airlines can be doing, especially when it comes to light. The trouble is if you... If you get on that flight, having come from, say, Singapore or maybe um, Auckland or somewhere, you're still going to be a bit out of sync. So it's all incredibly complicated. But it, I do believe that show, slowly, slowly, we are getting to a point where it's going to be easier to, to grapple with this. Yeah, no, and as you say, there are some apps. Uh, uh, is there, there's a kind of a, a sleep mask you can get now. Yeah, so this is really interesting. Um, about eight years ago, some scientists in the, at Stanford University in California discovered that rather than trying needing to get sort of one, two, three hours of direct continuous sunlight or darkness, um, if you basically flashed uh, light into people's eyes at the right time, you could you could do the same sort of speeding up or advancing of the body clock or or making the body clock reset faster um, uh, as you would have if you'd had continuous light. So that research has been used to develop this sleep mask, which basically is sort of a, a very large looking mask. It's got LED lights and it flashes these this light into your eyes, and supposedly. Um, 
uh, that can really help to to reset the body clock. The trouble is, it's got quite a, a, a large price tag on it. You know, when I looked at um, at how much it would cost to get the mask and the app, which is what you need to make it work, and it was $298 US dollars. So <laughs> not really, uh, even for, you know, it's an investment I'd love to make, but I'm not 100% sure I would. Yeah, and in any of the research, what's the general feeling about a G&T and a sleeping pill? <laughs> well, I was relieved to hear that the um, the researcher whose work was used to develop that mask, I, I said to him, you know, what do you do? And he basically said that on really long flights, he was not averse to a sleeping pill himself. And um, having done that myself from time to time, I do, do believe that it can help. It really can help. And, of course, nothing, I would say, uh, really beats the ultimate solution, and that is a seat in business class. But unfortunately, um, <laughs> it's not something that I, that I can um, uh, I've been able to manage to um, to achieve. Uh, yeah. But you know, I live in I live in hope. Yeah, keep playing the lottery, Felicia. Thanks a million for speaking with us today. Uh, Felicia Clark's article is actually in the Irish Times today. Felicia, thanks a million. Thanks for having me. Uh, right, few comments on that. Uh, someone says. Yeah, that's very helpful. Fly business class, get roaring drunk in the lounge, an early flight, then sleep the whole way. Yes, if you, nice work if you can get it. Uh, always get on uh, the time zone you are flying to as quick as you can. The aim is that you'll be tired by the time uh, it, it's uh, it, in your desk. Yeah, I suppose that makes a certain amount of sense. Though someone else says, having worked with Aer Lingus for 12 years, there is no solution. Try four time zones in three days. It ruins your body. Uh, someone else says, again, drink. That's the best way to beat any sort of flying issues. Well, yeah, but then you wake up and you're absolutely uh, destroyed. And if you drink on a plane, uh, apparently it, this is, you know, science. Uh, that, uh, for, for some reason, and I can't remember what the reason is, but if you if you drink uh, something on a plane, it, it's more potent than it would be if you were on the ground. So you might think you're just having the one G&T, but it actually has the force of... Uh, a couple of GNTs. Uh, turbulence will keep you awake, no problem. Uh, when you land, you'll just want to pass out. Uh, Kevin says, a friend of mine swears by uh, melatonin supplements for jet lag. Okay. Uh, and someone else says, never sleep on a plane. It's not proper sleep. If you can stay awake for the journey, do. Uh, which I think is what I would usually try and do. Uh, because you have to readjust to a different time zone. It's best to be good and tired so you can uh, get to sleep. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.